All right, would you put your hands together? Let's thank God for a great year here. Absolutely. I'm not standing up here because I had anything to do with any of that, okay? I'm up here just reminding all of us God has been really, really good to us this year, and we have so much to celebrate and remember. So uh, I, I put that together simply so you could with me, just kind of reflect and look back and say, wow, it's been a great year. And then how are we going to look forward into this year? And of course, after we're going to ask you to stay and we've got some business to do in the room. So if you're those online, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, you can just join us this morning and celebrate with us. Uh, and then we need to meet together and then hopefully brought some food and we're going to have some time to connect together as well this morning. So as we go into a new year, let me just take a moment, remind you of some things. Number one, what are we all about? We're trying to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. It's a whole thing of why we do what we do, whether it is on Sunday morning, whether it's on Wednesday nights, whether it's during the week when there's something else. That's the goal of everything. How do we help lead people into a growing relationship with Christ? And it doesn't matter where you are on that path of following Jesus we always got more to do. Some of us are just further ahead than others. And instead of going back and going, what are you doing? Come on, let's get going. Why don't we go back and we grab somebody's hand and, hey, let me help you. How do I help you along this way? And that's what it's all about. We all need help along this way following Jesus. So that's what we're all about. And on top of that, just to kind of focus this in a little bit more, we are all about to reach the nuns, the duns, and the undones. If you want a little project... Read through the book of Matthew sometime, read through the gospel, and look for the nuns, the duns, and the undones that are all people that Jesus reached. Look for those. I mean, it's not just fun terms we came up with. This is what Jesus did, okay? They just have different terms in the gospel of Matthew. You might find outcasts who are part of the, uh, part of the duns. You might find what, what they would call pagans who are part of the nuns. Uh, you will find all these individuals who are kind of on the outside and the fringe uh, that had so much going wrong and they just came to Jesus and said, heal me. They're part of the undones. Just look for those and go, oh, look at this. Here's Jesus dealing with a nun. Jesus dealing with a dun. Jesus is dealing with an undone. And you will find those things and go, ah, that's what Jesus was about, and if Jesus is going to be about it, guess what? We need to be about it as well. So last year, the whole verse that was kind of the, the verse of the year was, look, I am about to do something new out of Isaiah chapter 43. That's what we ask you to think about all year long um, because we were in the verge of, hey, just coming out of 2020, got to make some changes, got to do some different things, and so it was all about what does God want to do and do something new here. So let me just highlight a couple of those new things, and there's plenty of them. I just want to highlight two of them, okay? Uh, the, first one, the first is that we were debt-free, right? That was huge, right? Yeah, yes, that was huge, and that was just because everybody decided if we all pitched in and did this, we could accomplish this together. It looked like a mountain. It looked huge. Oh, this is never going to happen. We're never going to get this done. We're going to be paying this forever, which is what everybody thinks at times, except it wasn't. Hey, if we all do this together, if we all pitch in, we can make this happen. And when we met, and I told you this before, when, when the elders and I, we sat down and thought about this and said, can we do this? Maybe we thought if everything went really, really well, by the end of 2021, maybe we would pull this off. That's if everything went perfect and everybody did everything. And, and God just said, ha, 
You guys are wrong, okay? I'm going to do it in May, and I'm just going to blow you all away and show you what I'm about. So it was awesome that we could see that happen and that take place. What that has done, it has freed us up to complete projects and to take care of emergency things that have happened this year um, that you'll hear about during the meeting and provide for ministry. For example, if, if you saw it on our Thrive Church Group Facebook, and if you're on Facebook, just join the church group and look at nothing else, right? And, and then you'll just be encouraged. So uh, we were able to help. Sam and Becky Barber have been in our church before. They're missionaries in Belize. In fact, when we've gone there on trips, we have helped them. Okay? They're in the midst of trying to get a new vehicle, and so we were able to send them money, right? And say, we believe in you guys, we love you guys, we want to invest in your ministry, okay? Let me tell you what have happened before we were debt-free. Oh, Ed, 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 I don't know, right? And I'd have been like, I don't think we're going to do this, right? That's what we would have done, because that's the way we thought. Oh, we've, what, what, what happens, and we've got this debt, and we've got to do this. So it has just freed up all that thinking, okay? All that thinking and generosity is able to flow, and you're going to find out, be reminded of things we want to do this year. The leadership group, which is providing team leaders that are going to be very important for moving forward. It has given us a new spark to rebuild and follow our mission. That's, that, that's what we wanted, a spark to rebuild and it's going to look a little different, and we're going to see what happens, and we might have to, you know, go back to the drawing board and redo it a few times, but the spark to rebuild and to follow our mission. Those are the new things that have happened and take place that we really have just watched God do and see what he has in store for us with that, okay? I don't want to spend a lot of time looking back this morning. You saw it a little bit in pictures. We'll talk more in the meeting. I really want to spend today, the rest of this time, looking forward, looking into 2022 and saying, what does God have in store for us this year? What is it that he wants to see in us this year and kind of bring us all together on that same page? So if you're watching for the first time and joined us online, you picked a great Sunday because you're going to know what we're about this year. And for everybody in the room, it's a really, really good Sunday to come. I know it's freezing cold outside. Welcome to Iowa. Okay. And I'm glad you're here because now you're going to get in on right at the floor level where we're going this year, what God wants to do in our church. And to do that, to set that all up, I wanted us to go to Matthew chapter 21. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus has just entered Jerusalem, okay? This is what we would call Palm Sunday. And I'm like, am I really going to talk about Palm Sunday in January? Yeah, because we all need to feel warm. So uh, look forward. That's going to be, right, that's April 10th, by the way. That's actually the Sunday we would celebrate that. Jesus has just entered Jerusalem. They have shouted. They have proclaimed, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, they are excited about what's going to happen. And he arrives at the temple. And the next scene is one that I'm certain most of you are familiar with. Uh, those of you watching, you might be familiar with this story as well. It's one we know, but it's one we kind of get wrong. Like, I have thought most of my life wrong about this story, and you might have as well. And we use this story to, to talk about all sorts of different things, that none of them are really what the story is about. And so what I'm hoping this morning is to use this to clarify and to take a section of this and go, this is what God wants to see in us this year. Okay? It is the point where Jesus clears the temple, which I find it odd that the one point that Jesus is angry is the story we all know. You ever thought that was interesting? Maybe you're like, 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now I can be angry and throw stuff and go point to a verse. See, Jesus did it, so I can do it, right? I don't know if that's why we like this verse, but why we like this section, but we do, and most people know about it. So here it is. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all those who were selling and buying in the temple courts. If you look in other translations, it's other stories that kind of go into more detail. He throws over tables. He gets a whip and, you know, just starts cracking it at people. And, and again, you know, why does he do that? Why does he do that? And I was always told growing up, at least this was the implied, okay? I can't point to a sermon. I don't know if, but this was implied. You know why Jesus did that? Because you're never supposed to sell stuff in church. Anybody else ever told that, right? Can't sell anything in church. You sell stuff in church. And I've heard so many people reference that at different times. Somebody will be here doing something. But, oh, I don't know if they should sell stuff in church. Jesus is going to get mad. Jesus is going to come in, throw over their table with all their stuff on it. Really? Well, why does he do this? Okay? And continue on. And he turned over the tables of the money changers. This is important. It's important why he says the specific tables he's throwing over and the chairs of those who are selling doves. Tables, chairs, everywhere. And this is what most of us think. Oh, you're not supposed to sell stuff in, in church. But look what he says right after this. And he said to them, all these people in the court, he's just messed up their everything, right? They've all got stuff all over the floor, right? Uh, doves are flying loose. What are we going to do? And he says, it is written. And Jesus pulls back to Isaiah, my house, which they would have just thought is crazy. Jesus, you're quoting this. Are you saying this is your house? Is that what you're saying? My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are turning it into a den of robbers. So here's my question. Why did Jesus do this? Did he do this because they were selling stuff and you're never supposed to sell stuff in church at all? Is that why he did this? He did this because he was mad because they were selling stuff. He was mad about them doing whatever they were doing here with these money changers and the selling of doves. Why does Jesus do this? It's, that's what I want you to think about. And if you're like me and you grew up in church and you always thought about this story wrong, you're going to think a little bit differently today. We are going to think a little bit differently today about this story and exactly why does Jesus do what he does, because it's going to help us understand a bigger question. I think we like this story because Jesus goes in and throws stuff over, and, and we think that's the point, and it's not the point. It's why he does it is the point, and when you find out it's the point, I'm just going to warn you all, it's very convicting, because then you have to start asking questions which are uncomfortable, which most of us don't want to don't want to ask an answer. We just want to throw tables over and throw people out, and that, that's just kind of fun. But when you find out why, it is very challenging to yourself personally, and it's very challenging to us as a church. Here we go. Why does he do it? They were putting obstacles in the way for people to come to the temple. So the temple is in different areas. The first court you enter, it would be called the court of the Gentiles. If you're a Gentile, and that's everybody in the room and probably everybody watching online, if you're a Gentile, that's how far you are allowed to come into the temple, into that first court area, the court of the Gentiles. And in the court of the Gentiles, remember, you're not allowed to go anywhere else. So think about a Gentile coming to the temple. 
the only place you're allowed to go is this first area. And this first area is full of people. And all the people it's full of are selling things and changing money. And there's a reason they're doing that. Do you know why? The priest set all of this up because you were not allowed to use Roman money. It had the image of Caesar. That's idolatry. You can't, you can't use that money in here. So you'd have to exchange your money, your Roman money, for the temple money because that's the only money you're allowed to use in this place. And guess who decided what the exchange rate was? The priest. Guess who decided how much Roman money was worth? The priest. Guess how much they did? They did everything. And it got corrupt. And people were getting ripped off just trying to come and sacrifice and connect with God. There was an obstacle. Why did they do There was an obstacle. It was the same thing with sacrifices. Why are there doves? And why is Jesus tipping over their chairs or knocking their chairs down? They're selling approved sacrifices. You might have showed up with a dove and they go, mm, no, no. That doesn't have the temple mark on its foot, okay? And because it doesn't have the temple mark on its foot, you can't use that here. You got to now buy our dove. And it got corrupt. And it got to be an obstacle that would got to be in people's way of coming and worshiping God. It was an obstacle. It got to be something that was in the way for people to come and worship. It has nothing to do with selling. It has nothing to do with some of the things we've made it about. It has to do with obstacles that are in the way of people coming and connecting with God. So that's why he declares what? My house will be called a house of prayer. A house of prayer. You guys got this all wrong. You are making this, you got way too many obstacles. People, you have, you have set up in the one area the Gentiles are allowed in, and you've made all this thing complicated and a bunch of obstacles in the way, and that's not what my house is about. My house is going to be a house of prayer. This is going to be a place where people connect to God, because that's what Jesus wanted. He wants the temple to be a place to connect with God. And they were putting obstacles in the way of people connecting with God. You get the convicting part starting to come here, right? Because now all of a sudden, oh, it's not about selling stuff. It's not about buying stuff. It's about what? Are there obstacles in the way of people connecting with God? And that becomes a far more challenging question. That becomes a far more convicting thing of asking us some hard questions about how are we doing helping people connect with God? The priests who should have been, who should have removed barriers and said, how do we make it easier for people to come and get connected with God? How do we clear stuff out? How do we help them come, have sacrifice, and, and, and get right with God and connect with him? The ones who should have done all that work, they're the ones putting up all the obstacles in the way of people coming and connecting with God. The ones who should have known better were creating the most obstacles. And let me tell you, in 2,000 years, probably not much has changed. Those of us who should know better about bringing obstacles down and doing whatever we can to help people connect with God are guilty the most of putting a whole bunch of obstacles in the way of people coming and connecting with God. And so here's my question. Is Thrive, is our church a place where people can connect with God? Now, before I go too much into it, I need to explain something. The temple, as well as the tabernacle, were different than when we do churches today. 
This is important because if we get this wrong, we just start getting other things wrong. When, when we decided, for example, to put up this building, and Rick drew up the plans, and he was the one in charge of that, and he led that effort. Let me tell you what Rick did not do. Rick did not go to a mountain and pray and ask God to send down blueprints from heaven so we know exactly how far to build it. So you laugh, but I, I need to make a point here, right? All right, he didn't do that. Because, I mean, read Exodus sometime. The tabernacle was supposed to be so long and no longer and so wide and no wider and so high and have all these different things. Do you know why? Because God says so. When you're done, I am going to dwell there. I'm going to come in. My presence is going to fill that place. The same was true when the temple was done by Solomon. You read that, those same accounts. When we completed this, we did not meet in here and say, okay, God, now you can come and fill this place. If we're not careful, we start using language that gets people to think this is where God lives. No. The paradigm is different, that God dwells within us. This, we've created this space because we want people to connect with God. And if we don't, guess what happens? We just start putting a whole bunch of barriers in place and a whole bunch of obstacles because we just start getting confused about what this building is for, and is, does God live here? Did the God, only God's here? And it's why people think, oh, if I show up at church, God will strike me dead. Why? Well, God lives there. Uh, well, no, right? God dwells within us. That's where I have been, and I've had, I've had the fortunate opportunities to be in places before, before I came here and was in college and got to preach in different places, I preached in a church that was in a storefront, think on the square, in a town. Just, just think one of, the, the, one, of our, one of our stores in town, that one of those was set up as a church. And I got to preach in that place. Okay? Nobody built it for that purpose, but they used it for that purpose, for people to get connected with God. I've been in school auditoriums. I've been in school gymnasiums that were used for the same purpose, that people would come and connect with God. So it doesn't matter the place. We've created this. We've done this together because we believe it's important for people to get connected with God. So the, the question comes, are we a place where that happens? Are we a place or, or have over the years We've just put barriers in the, in the road that we don't even realize are barriers. We're just used to being around here for so long, we just miss stuff. It's true all the time. Dave and I have this conversation. Dave's one of our elders here. Uh, we've had this conversation before. Uh, we both miss stuff. We both walk by the same thing. Tori probably sees this too, right? We walk past the same thing, and, and then we'll get somebody new here, and we're like, hey, help us see things that we've just walked by for years. And, you know, uh, somebody will point something out. Oh, my goodness. I've walked by that for years. I haven't realized that. So, so much of the problem is we've been around for so long, we don't realize the obstacles we have put in the way of people coming and connecting with God. And so when you start asking these questions, then you say, okay, God, can you help me? Because <laughs> I might have done this. I might have obstacles in the way. I might have put things in the way, thinking they were good, thinking they were sound, thinking they would be great, but have become obstacles from people coming and being able to connect with God. So this is going to be our verse for this year. My house will be called a house of prayer. 
Because I want us to think constantly that we are creating a space and a place for people to come and connect with God. And perhaps if we use the language Jesus does, we will think of this place as that, where people can come and be connected with God. Why does he go back to this house of prayer? What is prayer? Connecting with God. That God longs for and desires for us to do that. And has provided every single possible option for us to do that. And provided a sacrifice and a way and everything so that we could be connected to him. Then should this place be just that? A place where people are going to be connected with God. So, personally, how are you doing at being connected with God? How are you doing at being connected with God? Is it going well? Did you try to start the new year? That's it. I'm, I'm an open scripture. I know it will help me, right? And every day, and first day went well, maybe second, maybe third day even went well. And then fourth day, you got busy and went, oh, no. And, and maybe, maybe you were smart and set up notifications, and you got that ding on your phone. Time to read your Bible plan. You're like, oh, my goodness, I almost forgot. And then you got busy again. And, and right, how are you doing? I've told you this before, that Scripture is the primary way in which God wants to speak into our lives. That's why you've got to be in it all the time. How are you doing with that? How are you doing? Praying. Because we want to do something about that. So in the back, and, and for those of you watching online, if, if we can set this up and you can get one this week, we would love to do that. In the back, this is another place we decided to invest because we believe this is important. In the back, you are going to see a on the table a pile of these books. We purchased one for each family. They are in the back, and we'd encourage you to pick one up. It's called Draw the Circle. It's 40 days of prayer, and every day is marked out, day 1 through 40. It's like two to three pages a day. Um, we want you to grab one because next Sunday starts day one. And, you know, you can grab it today. I am not expecting you to come to church next Sunday and have read day one. Some of you are going to go, oh, where did I put it, right? Where, where is it? And you're going to go home and search for it and find it. But next Sunday, we start day one for 40 days. And during those 40 days for the next five weeks, that's what we're going to talk about on Sunday morning to try to help us get this year started off on the way, on the right path of getting connected with God and helping you get connected with God and creating a space where we can help people be connected with God. So we're going to ask you to grab a book and follow along. Every, every day questions will go out. Every day questions will go out because sometimes that's just easier to read questions and go, okay, this is what I should be thinking about. So sometimes we just need help doing that. I need help doing that. Maybe you do as well. So questions will go out every day, and here's where those questions are going to be. They are either going to be in the Thrive Church group on Facebook. So if you're on Facebook or not, join that group. If you haven't, send a friend request into it, and we'll have you join. Or here is our email address, hello at thriveindianola.com. Send us an email so we know you want to be part of that and want to get questions. Those of you online, you can follow along and you can do this. Uh, just one of those two areas. Uh, send, a friend, send a request in or send an email in so that we can make sure you're getting those questions and it will help you every day 
go through the next day and the next day and the next day. Yeah, I'm asking you for 40 days. I'm asking you for 40 days. Because I think at the end of 40 days, you're going to find yourself in a different place. A place that you've really wanted to be. Maybe you just didn't know how to get there. Maybe you just didn't know, how am I going to get there? How am I going to arrive there? How am I going to get to that place? And I'm just hoping this is a tool to help you get there. It's all we are praying for and hoping for and why the elders decided we, we can make an investment here and make sure every family gets a book so they can follow along and we can see what happens and what God might do if we would just commit the next 40 days uh, starting next Sunday with praying and being connected with him. Now, do you have a verse for the year? We, we did this last year and I kind of challenged you to do this, so let me share with you mine. Right? I'm going to go first. I hope you will do that. And I hope you will share that with everybody else. That you'll go on to one of those places, go on to our church group, go in different places and let people know, here's the verse I've chosen for the year. So for me, it was pretty simple. Once I knew where we were going as a church and what direction we were going, I knew what verse I needed. Because... I, I, I just, I'm, I'm just telling you, this is all that's gone on in my head is, man, how many obstacles have I put in the way? Been around here a long time. I might have put several. I might have put a lot. I don't know. And that's a very uneasy question for me. Necessary, but makes me really uneasy. How many obstacles I might have put there, not even knowing they were obstacles. So, in Acts 15, it's one of my favorite passages, where the Jerusalem Council comes together, and they got to figure out, um, hey, these new Gentiles are becoming Christians, right? They're, they're following Jesus. Do we make them be a Jew, right? Do we make them be a Jew? What do we do? They're all confused by that. And the statement at the end by James is amazing. And that is what I, I, I'm, I'm putting on a piece of paper. I'm putting it into my office wall because I need to see this all the time. And it's simply this. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. I love that statement. We should not make it difficult. And so I, I, I want to be able to see that all the time and go, am I making it difficult? Am I making this hard? Am I putting a bunch of obstacles in the way uh, based on, uh, you know, upbringing and background? And, and so uh, choose a verse. I'm choosing this one because I'm getting a little concerned that I might have done just that put obstacles and unnecessary things in the way that have just made it harder for people to get connected with God. So I need a reminder. I don't know what you need this year and what you're facing and what you're going through. I would just encourage you, and you're like, well, how do you search? BibleGateway.com. You want to know the easiest way? We have so many tools. We have so many tools available to us. If you would go to BibleGateway.com, it gives you a little search box. Type in a word. Type in a word. See what happens. See what comes up. See what you might find. See what you might discover. If you need a verse to encourage you this year because you got some big things coming up, then type that in. Type that into a Google search. There's lots of different things. But find a verse that's going to help you that every time you bring it up, okay, every time you have it, find a screensaver for your phone, find some way to get it out, plaster it somewhere where you're going to see it, that you'll be reminded, oh, that's right. God has told me this. This is a promise. I can hold on to it, and I need to be reminded of this all year. This is, this is just where I'm at. 
Like, I don't want to make it difficult. I want to make sure people can connect with God. Because what we found in that little survey we did through our leadership group, uh, looking at our community, there's a lot of nuns, duns, and undones. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. What can we do to help people get connected with God? Here's what we're all about 2022, connecting with God and helping others connect with God. We want to help you connect with God better than you've ever done before, and we want to help others connect with God. We want to make sure this is a place where that happens and that takes place. So I'm going to ask you, you pray hard for this. This could be a really, really good and exciting year that God has in store for us if we are willing to make that happen. And sometimes, I'm just going to tell you, I told you, I've been around here a long time. I don't see obstacles. If you see an obstacle, I need you to tell me. I need you to tell me. I, I don't care how you do it, okay? I need you to tell me because I miss those things. And I don't realize that there are obstacles. I don't realize there are things in the way that are just making it difficult and harder. So please, if you see those, tell me so we can do something about that and figure out how do we help people do this better. So let's pray together this morning. Let's ask God to help us to do this and to to decide as a church, this is the type of church we want to be. And then we're going to worship God one more time uh, this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, would you remind us this morning that you have so blessed us. We, we live this side of Calvary, knowing that you have come, that you have done everything to allow us to be connected with you. We are so blessed. But Father, we want to be honest at times we're really lazy too. And we don't We don't make space and we don't take time to put those things into our lives. So we need you to help us. I I need you to help us, Father, to be a church where people can be connected with you. Would you show us the obstacles we put in the way? That we make what shouldn't be difficult, difficult. We make what shouldn't be hard, hard. And we put obstacles. We are just like those priests. And if you'd show up, you'd throw some things out of here too. You'd you'd say, be done with some of this stuff. No, I'm not about this. These are obstacles. And we might fully understand and embrace what that, why you did what you did that day in Jerusalem. And instead of pointing back and go, oh, those priests, how could they do that? We would look and say, what are we doing that you would throw out of here? And it's far more uncomfortable to ask those questions, but help us to ask those and to embrace those and to be honest about where we are. Father, this year, we look forward into it with hope and encouragement, knowing you are in charge and in control. And whatever happens, you know about it, and and we know you have a plan in and through all of it. And so I ask you this morning as we end with this song, how great is our God, that, that we would sing this out from our experience of knowing your greatness and goodness.
be better than words on a screen. It would be sung out of the experience of our lives. That you are great, and you are doing great and awesome things, and we get to be a part of that. Would you move and work in our presence and help us to be a church where people can be connected with you? And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.